The following podcast is sponsor content from Umqua Bank. If you asked me five, ten years ago, all I cared about was crushing it. That's it. And now it's like, oh, wait, I was wrong. Like, now it's actually like, I want to live a life of purpose. All you have is your gut and your your taste. Welcome to Open Account, where we get honest about making, losing, and living with money. I'm Sujin Park. I was excited when Umqua Bank approached me. They're a community bank, and they wanted to have a different conversation about our relationship to money. They believe that talking about money is essential to having a healthier relationship with it and ultimately with one another. Together, we've created this podcast to focus not on generic financial tips or economic advice, but on the realities of life and money and how honest conversations about both can help us reach our potential. Today, we're talking about work. And more specifically, we're talking about what work looks like in 2016. It's multi-hyphenate, it's unstable, it's exciting, and it's sort of like a constant audition all the time. For millennials, there's unprecedented opportunity, but also way more challenges. And for those of us who have matured into this new era, it is trial by fire. We are all making it up as we go along. We talk about money in this podcast because that's what it's about but maybe we haven't paid enough attention to how you make it. Today, I have a roundtable discussion with two people I greatly respect. We have a lot in common and a lot of differences in how we've navigated our careers. So consider this kind of like a mentorship in a box. We share with each other the mistakes and victories that have shaped our work lives and hope that those of you out there who are just getting started can glean some support from what is essentially our rough drafts made into careers. We're talking today with Lena Waith and Ravi Patel. Lena, we all know from playing Denise on Aziz Ansari's Netflix series, Master of None. And a producer for the feature film, Dear White People. She is a classic bootstraps tale. From seven years old, she knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to work in television, and she has worked tirelessly towards that. And now she's developing her own series based on the film, Chirac. She's living the dream. Ravi also happened to play a character in Master of None, but is best known for the documentary Meet the Patels about Ravi's search for a wife. Ravi is an actor and a comic, but his path has been sort of all over the map, guided mostly by instinct and impulse. His father was a financial consultant, his mother a real estate agent. He majored in economics. He's worked as an investment banker, started a poker magazine, co-founded a business called This Bar Saves Lives. He has become a fledgling venture capitalist with a great nose for strong ideas that do good in the world. And then there's me. You know, for many years, I was a journalist on television. I worked at MTV. I started my own flea market business with some friends and my brother. I had some babies. I took a break. And then I realized for the first time in my life that I could ask this question of myself, which is, What do I want to be? What do I want to say? Who am I? You know, how do I build my own brand? What is a brand? And the reason we're having this conversation today and the reason my head is here in this conversation all the time is because these questions have never been more pressing or more relevant for a working landscape that includes so many people pursuing a big dream or or three while they work a day job and drive an Uber at night. So here goes. Oh, and yes, by the way, you are going to hear Ravi's parents calling out the topics. Work and family. How do you start to even build a life, a living around something that so often feels way out of our control? 
mm-hmm. or something that feels so foreign to us because I don't think any of us grew up in Hollywood families. For the audience members, you guys have Chicago-ish in common. That's right. 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 Yeah. I always say I grew up hood adjacent, you yeah. know, and that like I wasn't in the hood, but it was like I was right across the street from it. Yeah. I, I, could, I could hear it, you know, at night, yeah. you know, but I lived in, a, you know, my grandmother's house and, you know, in the basement with my mom and my sister, yeah. which sounds worse than it actually was. Uh, but, you know, my the cliche, single parent, single mom, yeah. you know, raising two kids. And so we had to move in with my grandmother because to make ends meet. But we literally grew up in the house that my mom grew up in. Yeah. So and in that neighborhood. So yeah. it was a beautiful pocket. You know, when you say South Side of Chicago, it means it hits the ear in a very certain kind of way. You know, even though we weren't in the hood, it was still a thing of like, we got to get out of my mom's house and I got to make sure my kids get a really good education. So that really became the focus. Mm. Um, that's when we moved to Evanston, um, where mm. I went to middle school and high school, which literally changed the course of my life. Because if I had gone to schools in the city, yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Right. I knew I was gay at the time. So I was like, OK, I have that weird thing. So let me try to offset that with me being a, a perfect student and a really great daughter, which yeah. a lot of I think gay kids like, you know, did Ooh, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, OK, I'm going to eventually yeah. come out later. I went to Columbia College. What did you study at Columbia? Writing and producing and television. Oh, so you knew growing up that you wanted to do this. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah. And that's like sort of where it like kind of starts for me. Like when I was seven and eight, like I was watching The Cosby Show in a different yeah. world. But A Different World really was like about cool, hip characters. Yeah. But I was like, oh, these are smart people of color, like who go to or furthering their education. And it kind of helped me see that the world was bigger than my own backyard. I also grew up in Illinois till like 89. I was 12 years old around that time. Okay. Huge Bears fan. Wow. And then I uh, grew up in Charlotte after that. Went to school in UNC Chapel Hill. I studied economics and international studies. Yeah. Walk through to me then your career with your titles. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs. I've been fired from a lot of them. <laughs> I'm trying to think. My last year of college... I was a financial planner slash broker at this firm in Charlotte while I was in my last year of college. So I was like, I was like, I was like not a great student growing up. It was very like Ferris Bueller. Like yeah. I had like, like I was my class president every year, but like the teachers all hated me. And I, yeah. like, I had like, you know, like I went in and out of school whenever I wanted to. I had early dismissal passes in the back of my car. And, oh, wow. You know, like I was that, that I guy. had a copy of that. every test. Yeah. I was a huge cheater. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> I had a lot of my transcripts after college. I don't man, why, why am I saying I this? I know. I'm like, you're going to say this. Someone's going to. But I was, in, I was up for incredible jobs. Because <laughs> I was I like, you know, like, I, I, I'm Indian. I'm still great at math. You know, I was a mathlete. <laughs> yeah. I was like a mathlete. I could do all that stuff. So I'd, so I'd be in these like amazing interviews, like with like people from MIT and my friends in college, like, yo, what is happening here? I'm like, you know, it's still me. <laughs> Risk. But yeah, so I bullshitted my way into (laughs) an investment banking job after college. I was terrible. I I didn't have the work ethic. So he was destined to be an actor. I I was a terrible investment banker. Terrible. Like I was. I just didn't have the work ethic required to do the things like that you don't like doing. Shocking. All of a sudden, I had all this money, and I was like gambling and like going out. It was like the best. And the Bears were good for the first time in ten years. So every weekend, I'm getting on a plane to go watch the Bears. I'm like living. Okay. (laughs) And then, and then, like five months 
in maybe five and a half, like nine eleven happens. A couple yeah. months after that, I came home. I remember I just got back from watching the Bears. I came in. I was late. It was like eleven o'clock, and my boss was like, "Did you hear? You know, we got bought, and you know, our group's getting dissolved." Uh, he's like, "You know, so you know, it's." I was like, "Oh, when's it happening?" He's like, "Like today." He's like, "We're gonna get like a severance." I was like, "Which I didn't even know what a severance was." Oh, wow. He's like, "Yeah, they're gonna give you like three months pay." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I was wow. like, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go to the mall. Uh, y'all call me when you figure out what's going on. Wow. Because I was like, if I'm done working, I'm not gonna sit here for like five more. Like it's over. Yeah. <laughs> like let's go. So I went to the mall and I got a call while I was there, with like, this is your deal and this is your severance. And I was like, peace. I never went back to my desk. Uh, like a week later, the Bears made the playoffs. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna follow them. Like they're like fish. Like they're like a jam band. Like I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Get a one-way ticket to Chicago. I don't know how okay. this is going to lead to acting. Okay, this is, so you're it fits following. I'm very, like, I've always been very spontaneous. I landed. I got on a train to Soldier Field. I remember my zipper was broken, and it was freezing. So I went around the stadium filling out credit card applications to get the free long-sleeve shirts. And then the Bears lost. So I was like, oh, well... Didn't see that coming. That's the end of this. Like Damn. that night, I went to a riverboat in Gary, lost my entire severance. It's gambling right now. What? Yeah, I kept on waiting for the roulette to get to like an eighth black, and then I'd be like, "All right, let's go." And I did that like three times and lost. <laughs> People are like, "This guy." Yeah, I love risk. It's a bit of a, like an adrenaline junkie thing. Where oh. I, I almost, I almost do it so that I can sit here and tell the story. I had already realized like this was not my life. Like, oh my god, and I was like, I need so to do, to I need to do yes. something. Thing that matters. You kind of have such a like openness and flexibility for opportunity and it doesn't matter if it's on camera, in front of camera, having a bar company, you know, doing finance, having a poker magazine. You know what I mean? Like I felt like your resume read to me just as someone who was like a total risk taker or someone who was like, okay, I'm down for this. Like it makes some sense, but let's just try it. It's, it's art. But in, I think in general, people need to find a way to live yeah. an artful existence no mm-hmm. and when you're an artist work is like a big part of that right. Existence. Right, right, right absolutely so when you're not doing it it actually feels like negative you're absolutely yeah. right because that's what it does feel like, feel like a bad person yeah. Yeah. yeah and the thing is like this we take risk you take chance you don't know but all you have is your gut and yeah. your and your taste you have goals you got to conquer whatever that goal is and my goal was to be a staff writer i think for most people when you come to la the only job you can get are reality tv because it's so abundant and you don't like you don't have to like know somebody that knows somebody it's like they're always looking for PAs or loggers. Or so people are listening. Logging tape means you're actually just like you're identifying what happened. Yes, at what exactly. Point in you're the summarizing tape. it. Yeah. Um, sometimes you transcribe. You're transcribing their their confessionals. So that's always like I know you get a confessional tape. You're like crap, and that's what you're literally doing. You're like sitting in a chair. You have like a VHS tape, like not VHS, but like a whatever, and like you pop it in. You have a little TV and like mm-hmm. and for hours on end. And and it was it was how I paid my rent. Then I started interning during the day from like nine to five. And that's not paid. No, but I was like, okay, because I really wanted them to get me a job like as an assistant for one of their clients. So I did that for two months and like kind of like wore myself out. But I knew I, I, during that time, I was like, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. So sure enough, these, these two showrunners that the agency represented, like they needed they need an assistant and they recommended me and it happened to be for girlfriends, yeah. which I knew that show inside and out. I was like, oh my yeah. God. So I go, I get the gig. It literally changed my life. Yeah. I, I'm now like an I'm assistant to showrunners on a TV show that I wrote a spec script for in college. I was a PA 
as well. I was like her assistant. Yeah. I was a PA. I was a runner. I was all these things. You have always been around that because I think yeah. that's super important. Be like, close to the yeah, be close, close to the, to the thing. Can. I was always like just close <laughs> yeah. to it. I was like, like I may not be it. important on it. this set, but I'm, I'm near it. I'm smelling it. I'm in it. I'm in the midst Yeah, because it's such a, a journey. But it's a, where you learn the hierarchy. Right. You learn the politics of the writer's room. It's that whole thing. And so I got a call that said, hey, uh, um, I'm sorry, would like to have a meeting with you. He has a show and he's looking for interesting people. Okay, that's awesome. And so I went to his house. And so we sat and we talked and I talked to him about my girlfriend and my life. And 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 it was a great little 30 minute conversation. And next thing I knew, I got a call. Okay, will you come to New York and play this character? Like, you know, for four months. And um, and I said, yeah. yeah I was like, that, I was so moved and inspired by what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I sort of became like this sort of multi-hyphenate. A lot of people think yeah. it was on purpose, but a lot of it just sort of came from me being drawn to interesting material. We have to really craft, you know, a career for ourselves. Oh, yeah. And if you don't, if you're not careful and you kind of get into a box, which can happen very quickly. You know, when I started out, you know, you could actually really build a very solid career and very quickly and clearly if you were had some talent and a lot of hard work. Now it's like, well, you could do a little of this, a little of that. And with more choices, you don't necessarily make the best choices. If you asked me five, ten years ago, all I cared about was crushing it. That's it. Like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to just kill it and work, work. And now it's like, oh, wait, I was wrong. Like, now it's actually like, I want to be, I want to live a life of purpose. Mm -hmm. And part of living that life of purpose is not just about my bank account. It's about Mm -hmm. that other bottom line of like family and friendship and like what kind of a son I am, what kind of a brother. There's all this other stuff that happens when I clock out. It's about not just out, output, but it's also about mm. intake. Mm-hmm. Basically, I want to semi-retire is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, and I want to like, I want to, I want to be one of those people that like people call up and they're like, what are you doing? And I want to be like, nothing. <laughs> like you will never people? be that guy. I You're going to be following around the Chicago Bears. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than having a day to kind of like just chill and not do anything. Yeah. But I also get like the hives when I don't have something mm-hmm. to do. Like it's sort of like I, and I'm probably pretty sure you you may be that way as well. But it's like, <laughs> and look, and I, look, I'm 31. I want to be 32 next month. And I'm in a very committed relationship. I mean, I'm with the woman I want to marry and I want to have kids with her. The thing is, and that has shifted. When I'm 60, you know, I want to be, I don't want to be singing for my supper as much anymore. My thing is about like leaving this business in better shape than I found it in. Yeah. That's my goal. Big checks and being broke. First big check and how it changed you. I, I mean, I know after college when I became an investment banker, I got that first like real check. I don't think it changed me. I think it was like, this is me. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's about time. Here we are. I was the same dude. unleashed him. I'm pretty sure I've been, any of my friends would tell you, I'm the same dude. It's just, it's just, we've been waiting for the other, you know, it's like for everyone else to show up to the party. It more empowered me to be the guy I am. Degenerate gambler, I guess. No. I mean, I chase fun. I chase fun. And when I got that first check, you know, it that was the beginning of my journey of in fun. like fun. And even to this day, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. about having fun. Yeah. What about I, you, Lena? I mean, the funny thing is, is like I started making real money when you get into acting. Like I didn't know. I was like, <laughs> these actors have had like a yeah, secret, man. Great. It changed my life. Like yeah. massive none changed my life in more ways than one. My first big check, what I remember it was um I got seventy thousand dollars for the year. That was like my wow. salary. And when I saw the paper with that amount, I was like Oh, like, 
I'm done for the rest of my life. Like, how can I even spend $70,000? Like, okay, most recent time you felt broke. How real was that? There was a window of time... I think it was definitely was like after really after the Sundance experience, you know, and like we we had sold the film, but like we don't make any real like money off of that. I would have to call family to say like, yo, I need you to pay the phone bill. The phone, (laughs) my cell phone wouldn't be working. Like, oh, crap, I got to pay the bill. Like I would always try to keep cable in the house because I would have to have like TV because otherwise I'd like lose my mind. And I remember like going to the grocery store and just like getting packs, a bunch of packets of the ramen noodles and just like having that and like literally like eating that every day for like you know, a couple weeks, you know, like legit, like people would think like you're wasting away. I'm like, I know it's like, it's not, it's not cause I'm on the run. I'm, not on, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a real budget diet right now, you know, but it was like real, you know, but I would just like, but there was something about that time where I would just sort of sit in it and like just sort of be in my mind, be and be strong in my mind and just know like this will pass. Like I'll get through this. Something will happen. And, and also all the, all the while writing. I've always been like kind of delusional and optimistic. Mm-hmm. The only t- time that I can really remember was like right when I kind of first started acting and I was living in this studio apartment off of like sick, like right off of Hollywood Boulevard, like where all the tourists mm-hmm. are. And I didn't have a parking spot. So I like couldn't like, I'd have to do street parking. And so I wouldn't leave for three days at a time. Cause I knew if I left, I couldn't <laughs> park. and I'm in the studio apartment. Yeah, and I wasn't that. sure about where I was in like life and my relationship. Yeah. I don't think there could ever be an, and not, like a dollar amount in the bank right. where I don't feel like some catastrophe could possibly be happening around mm. the corner that I will not be able to afford. That's mm-hmm. just where my brain goes because mm-hmm. it's always been that way ever since I was a kid. That's interesting that's what a, you're saying yeah. in terms of like how we feel about money is almost hereditary. In a oh, way. yeah. It's in our DNA. And that's one of the reasons why I, the minute, especially like once I got Master of None and I, and I had this, the show, like there was stuff happening with the show, I immediately got an accountant. And um, what's the word that you become? You become... You get um when you when you don't longer pay the taxes like your your own business you get I was incorporated, incorporated. yeah I got incorporated <laughs> whatever that was I was like yeah um, and I thought so, it was gonna be like a spiritual word <laughs> I was like I was like oh, but it was just like centered it was just a tax qualification <laughs> but again it was because I think that for me it was like my mom was always like struggling still has like money issues and stuff yeah. like that and it's just like I wanted to make sure I broke that mm. that cycle okay. see I grew up like this but for whatever reason I like am the opposite my parents parents like pretty stingy with money like incredible with money and I think I'm good with like I'm a, I think I'm a good investor and I like, have a good business sense but I am not fr- frugal how to hustle this is really about setting your salary and negotiating. How are you guys at doing I that? I love negotiating. Oh, I love it. It's, I love it more than the job at the time. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Like, what do you My mean? agents and managers, they've asked me to come work for them. I'm not even lying. Because wow. they're like, I love it. It's so fun. What's the what's the mentality I I think going I get it into from my it? Mom and dad, I, don't I know. know, but tell give us give us the insight into yeah. that. Because I want to be a good negotiator. I really do feel like I, I approach acting as a business right. like mm-hmm. I, I do like I look at it in terms of like these are the goals these are the things I have to do I yeah. think about brand building I think about all these things if it isn't for my hustle I don't think anyone is going to deliver first of all there's like 18 Indians in line in front of me okay <laughs> and then non-Indians they're like well then why, why there's other people yeah. <laughs> so like you know there's just I just don't I just have never felt that way like I'm the guy people are going to hand things to so because of that 
I'm just all about the hustle, the hustle. and doing my own thing. I do a, like one or two pilots every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my favorite call, my agents know it. Okay. <laughs> we get on the call. It's me, my lawyer, my managers, my agents. Oh, okay. I love those calls. And it is, I am running the show <laughs> and I listening. love it. I'm, I go, I'm, look, yeah. I go, all right, this is what we're coming in at. This is what you're doing. If this happens, this is what we're doing. If this happens also this year, we're doing this and this, like, I love it. It's just fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like a game. Okay. For those of everyone who can't see his face, he's, so he's like, he's like lit up from the inside. <laughs> yeah. Like his eyes just like changed color. You know what? If you see my mom in India in the market and she's made, she's made, she is like the ultimate like se- like sensei of oh of like negotiation. And I actually do it with the heart. In fact, when we were in Egypt, I couldn't negotiate. And I'm like, you know, I've gotten soft. I've gotten soft because I'm thinking about this guy's kids. Yeah. Of course. But you know, when oh you my go, God, your mother you is like, mom. you've been in LA too long. Oh, yeah. oh she gets mad at me. Yeah. She's like, no, $2. Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Do you feel like a real adult? I love this question. I do, actually. That's mm. an interesting thing. Is like, at, And I think a lot of that is because of my relationship. I kind of feel like an adult when I find myself doing things I used to watch my mother do. Like, mm. you, you, know, you go on errands with your parents, whatever. Going to the cleaners and getting herself out of the cleaners. <laughs> like, making sure to clean up the house and, like, filling the dishwasher. Like, those things yeah. make me realize, like, I go, oh, like, I'm an adult. Now, I'm doing mm. the things I would watch my mom do and mm-hmm. think, oh, that looks awful. Have yeah. you ever heard that expression of like, uh, I don't know what the expression is, but <laughs> maybe, maybe you've heard of some expression. Yeah. Right? You know, like, like in your 20s, you're trying to become the person you want to be in your 30s. You mm. are that person. Mm. So to that extent, I think I do feel like an adult because mm. I no longer seek validation from mm. anyone right. or like I'm not trying to be cool or anything mm-hmm. other than right. like I know who I am. Mm. Right. For me, this notion of adulthood comes and goes it, like mm. it almost like regresses and goes forward. So but it's about like a mentality. It's yeah. like it's literally like you hear people talking about oh, working out or eating healthy. It's a lifestyle like being frugal and all that kind of stuff and being mindful of your money. That is a lifestyle. My dream is to be a person that invests in things right. um, like, you know, because I feel like I'm kind of smart in terms of what's trends and things like that. Like I got a friend like, you know, who invested in Tesla very right. early on, like where it's like I would have done that if I'd known about it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, like, do I hire a person? Do I do that, like, you know, now? What about that, though? Because that, to you, Cause, cause like, like, it gives you other streams of income that's outside. Absolutely. Of, that's right. So what you're talking about is that's one right. of the things I do. Uh-huh. Okay, so... You know, the main thing is like in investing is understanding what your competitive advantage is, meaning mm-hmm. you bring more value than just money mm-hmm. when you're some sort of a tastemaker. Mm-hmm. You bring influence, right? right? So, you, so the way that you kind of want to best leverage your influence is to be invested in things that you want to be influential about, meaning something you're passionate about. Right. And, and there's a lot of guys out there, you know, like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the most interesting conversations with creative people who are successful at what they do is because they treat it like a business. Right, right, and right. he, I feel like, Ravi, you have taken that to like, another to yeah. another uh, level. One of the worst but dogmas you, that people are fed coming into this yeah. town is that if you want to be successful, this is all you can do. Yeah. And uh-huh. I think that is the most limited mm-hmm. worldview or uh-huh. on, yeah. or a limited way to look at human nature or even art that uh-huh. you like, you can, in order to succeed at, succeed at something, it can be the only thing you're doing. Yeah. No other part of life works like that. Yeah. Right. You know, like, I, I, I love cooking, but I don't have to do it. You know, like, and also with art specifically, you have to do other things to, support to actually be, yeah. to support it. Yeah. Personal brand. Is money the primary way to determine if something is worth your energy? And how do you know when to quit? And this is no shade to him, but I have no interest in being Kevin Hart. Yeah. And that, like, I don't 
want to be the richest person in the cemetery when I go down. Like, that, yeah. like that's not the goal. To me, it's more about legacy. And I know if you were sitting here, he's like, well, you know, I have a, a legacy as well. But for me, it's like, it's really, it is about brand. It's about branding. And it's about people trusting my brand. That if I'm in something, if I'm a part of something, yeah. that it's good. Define brand for someone it's like that great line in American Gangster, you know, where it's like Denzel is like, he's like, this is a brand name. You know, he's yeah. like, and that means when, some, when you give it to someone, they trust it. When your name is on that piece of paper, there's a certain, yeah. immediately we're going to have like a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to get to it. What are, mm-hmm. what are you about? I mean, that's what a brand right. is at yeah. its basic level. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's assigning okay. a value to that name when yeah. you see it on, exactly. a, on a piece and of paper. Yeah. What, when was the last time you guys were disappointed when you got a financial offer? It's not just about the money. I mean, like it's it's about... It's about the purpose. It's about having fun. Master none. I didn't make any money. Yeah. Okay. Like I made so, but I didn't even think about. Like I don't. That's not something where I got on the phone and said, "Do that." Like that was like that was one where I'm like, "Yeah, this is gonna be really fun. Let's make it fit our schedule." Mm -hmm. The money is is not always there in the short term, but if you're building a brand, the money is there in the long term if you take these short term opportunities. It's such a holistic approach, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. to your career and your finances. It's never just about the last thing you did and the thing that you're doing now. It's really about the whole picture. I mean, I think it evolves, right? I think when you're starting to do something, Mm -hmm. it's not... It's not about immediate value. It's about long-term value. And so, the, you know, in general, when you're coming into any negotiation, you want to to figure out a way to build leverage. My general strategy when I'm trying to get into something involved is like, basically, how can I come in from the top down? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're starting off making money... I don't think you're trying to set a price. I think you're just trying to get money. Yeah. Like when I started acting, I didn't really know what the rate what the was. Va- I didn't know what the rate was. And even if it was different, I would have kept doing it. Like my whole logic when I first started making money as an actor and I'm like, do they know I would have done this for free? <laughs> right. Like, right. like I could, like I made $40,000 on my very first commercial yeah. and I never saw it. And I, <laughs> I, I, I was like, well, why? Like I, I just thought it was cool that I was in a commercial 40, like it was crazy, you know, yeah. and they're just the money's like, but eventually hopefully you build yourself to a point where you have some leverage and you have some value. Every time I go in to pitch a TV show or even to go for a staffing meeting or go into an audition, you're literally asking someone for money. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, pay me to be in your show. <laughs> pay, like give me millions of dollars to shoot this pilot <laughs> and ultimately this series. We're always going in for money. So I think my biggest thing is always about when you walk in, it's about knowing your worth and having an amazing product. You have to come in and say like, this product is worth your investment. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I think that's actually mm-hmm. probably the most important thing. Sometimes you go into a one place and they'll say, "I like it. I'm only going to give you a, a third of what you're asking for." Don't don't think that you you need to you need to be one stop shop. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like know your budget, do your budget plan, figure it out, and how you get that to that number. Who cares? You know, yeah. you get you know a person who does who blows glass or whatever in Minnesota could like say, "I want to, yeah. I have all this money, and I believe in your story, and I believe in you, and I want to do this." You never know where the money's going to come from, yeah. but you just got to have a really strong pitch. Even just like having like non entertainment jobs, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're temping or consulting or mm-hmm. freelancing, there has to be some kind of faith in your ability. Right. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if your performance is good, I think the relationships you build are good. That energy then Mm -hmm. just creates more opportunity. So for me, like it's always about cultivating that sense of Mm self-worth that isn't tied 
to this monetary value. Absolutely. And that's really that's really tough when you're looking at like low numbers. Yeah. So but that's your lottery ticket at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. When you're at the when you're starting out in anything, your mm-hmm. lottery ticket is your talent. That's why it's important to have those conversations when things are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of meter your spirituality. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. cuz when times are good, that's when you have an opportunity to hopefully with some level head say, okay, that. who am I when things go bad? Yeah. Love. Do you, do you share? Do you and your girlfriend pool money at all? Yeah, we have a we have a one joint account. We also still have separate accounts. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then you're you're married. You guys sure pool money? Guys. Yes, but same. We have oh, separate okay. accounts, but then we put put into a joint account. Okay, yeah, I have no we, separate accounts. Yeah. That is a difficult thing to reconcile. Yeah, like sharing money with someone. Right. Like I I gave my wireless earbuds away to this person who hosted us in Egypt, like he yeah. was like, I love those. Yeah. He's like, those are wireless. I was like, I was like, here, have them. Nice. And I thought it was like a nice gift, you know? So I'm like, I was like, oh, I need to order some new wireless. She's like, what happened to your last one? She's like, you, you go through too many earbuds because <laughs> I do lose a lot. And I'm like, she's like, and I was like, well, no, I just, cause I gave them away. And like, I go to put my fingers on the keyboard and she shuts the laptop. Oh. She's like, you need to chill out on earbuds. <laughs> So, so this is right before I went running, right before I came here. I went running right before I came here. And that's me, cut to me jogging with the wired earbuds, (laughs) getting all tangled up with my dog. You need to chill. (laughs) Shut it. But I love that about it. And I'm still going to get those earbuds. I'm going to have to order it on my phone. Fast forward to subconscious to when we're 90 in bed. Who's going to be there spoon feeding Mm -hmm. us our peach yogurt? I mean, it's going to be that person. So yeah. you know that they have your best yeah. interests at heart, even though it kills you. Well, no, but like my <laughs> wife comes from the point of view of like, we might never make another penny ever yep. again. Yep, yep, yep. And I come That's from the point of view of being like, money's not important. Also, we're just going to get richer and richer. That That's, that's like yeah. my false optimism. And she has this false pessimism. Yes. They're very far apart. Yep, places. yep, yep, yep. Making mistakes. Right now in, in your guys' mm-hmm. today on the mm-hmm. calendar what sort of keeps you up at night in either good ways or bad ways when it comes to your careers the the months i have ahead of like yeah. there's going to be a lot of traveling going to be a lot of working going to be a lot of staying focused going to be a lot of sleepless nights you know and being tired but it's like i'm ready and like i'm getting my mind right you know to to do that and yeah. you know in terms of you know, financially i mean it really is about like working really hard um, to to earn this living, mm. but the thing I want to you know talk to Ruby about afterwards, sort of like is, finding someone that I can you know bring onto the team in terms of like investing and yeah. like so that way I'm not you know it's not just about okay in comes the check and then it goes out you know it's yeah. about like I want to be investing in you know but, and that's the thing I actually spend a lot of time thinking about in terms of fi- finances is it's not about okay I'm aware of what checks are coming in and from where and when and all that kind of stuff because I get a record of it from my business manager but the thing is really about investing in people yeah. and cool ideas mm-hmm. and products that you know I would use or I feel like my friends would use you know and, and those are usually the two things you know I'm thinking about what about you Ravi what, what keeps you up in good and bad ways at night. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a, I'm kind of like in an interesting kind of point of transition right now where in the last three years I've been working a lot yeah. and it's been a lot of the stuff she was just saying of like scheduling, scheduling, yeah. bandwidth, bandwidth and focus. And if there's one thing I think I've improved upon the most, I've put a lot of effort the last couple of years into not being more productive, but into being more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I now work, I think less than 
most of my kind of high kind of output friends. Mm -hmm. But I think I do way more as in I probably only work 50 hours a week right now. I do really feel like I've figured out the Mm. how of it. And now it's kind of actually stepping back and it's more about mission. Mm -hmm. It's about, um, am I doing something that's meaningful? Is it, am I deriving Mm. happiness and what kind of happiness? Is it the fulfillment, like the Mm -hmm. life purpose stuff where it's advancing the lives around me? Like by the time I'm, by the time I'm dead, like, are there people, have Mm -hmm. I made the world a better place? Um, so like now I'm asking those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. When do you feel like a failure and and when does it feel like, okay, you've made it or there's success in this? For me, it's always about when I realize I haven't been giving enough time as yeah. a husband or a friend or a son. And that happens, yeah. that happens more frequently than mm. I'm proud of. Mm. And it's like you can get caught up in the logistics, but like the logistics are actually less significant than the emotion of like people want to feel like you're doing something together. And I often forget that because I get so caught up in like the scheduling and the logistics. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, actually I need to just like call my mom and dad and ask them questions and be like, Oh, that's so exciting. And just like, you know, come up with that and just have like a chill conversation. I mean, that's honestly where my head went to. It was about like, you know, my friends who I used to spend tons and tons of time Mm with. That's been the thing I've been realizing is like my failure really as a, as a friend, when you're working so much and you're so busy and you do have a free moment, you know, yeah. you know and then just remembering just a, just a text, like this morning I was, I was just like texting people like saying, Hey, just send you some good vibes. You know, hope you're well. I was talking to my wife about this. It's like, you know, like when we die, they're not going to, like, nobody is going to mention like how great we were on Master of None, which was like really great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they may. Awesome. Like, yeah. But the only thing people remember is if they like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did we learn? Well, first of all, that Ravi's parents are angels. Also, negotiation can be fun. It's good to share your financial decisions with someone. Your taste and your instincts are your market value. Build them and trust them. Be open. Try everything. It's okay to change your mind. Just do it with grace and don't burn your bridges. Nobody will advocate as strongly for you as you. So take a crack at your biggest dreams, but work your butt off too. How you make your money is just as important as what you do with it. So that's it for this episode of Open Account. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to catch up on past episodes and stay tuned for a lot more. Umqua Bank's vision to build a healthier relationship with money for everyone, you know, no matter how much or how little you have, it inspires them to have these kinds of conversations every day. Learn more about their team and their approach to community banking at madetogrow.com.